This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. For as long as I can remember, the start of spring has been heralded by baseball players reporting to training camp with a new season getting underway, bringing with it our enduring optimism for our favorite teams and the summer to come. Baseball has seen us through wars, depressions, and pandemics. It's seen Jackie Robinson break the color barrier 75 years ago this April. And players like Juan Marshall and Roberto Clemente opened doors of possibilities to new generations of players from across Latin America. Over all these decades, baseball has always been more than a game. It's become part of who we are. So why am I telling you this? Because after a long, dark offseason and a lockout that put the schedule in jeopardy, baseball is back. And there's no better person to help us celebrate than our guest today a -a once-in-a-generation player who embodies the best of baseball, both on and off the field. He's a 10-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, seven-time Silver Slugger, soon-to-be Baseball Hall of Famer, and a hero to fans young and old from New England to the Dominican Republic, David Ortiz. During his 14 years with the Boston Red Sox, David helped lead the team to three championships, including ending the infamous 86-year curse, the so-called Curse of the Bambino, in 2004. He also set and still holds the team record for most home runs in a single season with 54 and is widely considered one of the greatest designated hitters in the history of the game. He's also always been focused on giving back off the field, 
particularly through the David Ortiz Children's Fund, which provides critical cardiac services to children in need. David, thanks for being here today. Mr. President, how are you? I'm good. It's nice to hear your voice. It's good seeing you. I haven't seen you in a minute. Uh, I think everyone who will be listening to this podcast knows who you are and knows probably that you came from the Dominican Republic. But that doesn't explain how you fell in love with baseball and how you finally got a chance to play in the majors. So tell us, how were you when you started playing? How were you when you knew you fell in love with the game? And how old were you when you realized you had a chance to make the majors? Well, first of all, I want to say hi to all your audience. Uh, it's an honor to be having this podcast with you, Mr. Person. And uh, in my case, I would like people to understand the importance of uh, discipline, dedication, and one of the most important things, I always take a lot of pride on, on the things that I do, especially when my family is involved. And, and that's where my story began. You know, I was a kid coming from a string neighborhood back in the Dominican Republic, but I have a couple of parents who, uh, they wasn't professionals, but they want things to get to be done the right way. My mom emphasized a lot on education, my dad as well. And my dad was a very good baseball player. And but back then became to be a, a professional ball player, a baseball player, it was harder than what it is nowadays. So uh my dad is, is the kind of guy that he have a lot of faith in God. And he always told me the story that once he had to quit baseball, he basically went to church and, and prayed to God to have a, that his first child was a boy and and that began to be a baseball player. Oh. What I learned from it is that dream come true, you know, you got to have faith in God and you got to chase your dream. And at some point, if you have dedication and discipline, it can come true, you know. And my dad, since I was a kid, I remember my fair, my very first toy was a baseball bat, a ball and a glove. But me being a lefty, back then in the Dominican, it was hard to find a left-handed glove. So my dad bought me a right-handed glove. <laughs> <laughs> I used to wear it in the hands where I used to wear it. And sometimes I used to wear it in the left-handed hand catch the ball, take the glove off, and throw the baseball. <laughs> and when I was like eight or nine, he got me into this one Little League team because he used to sit down when he come back from work. He used to sit down to watch me playing baseball in the street in front of the house. And my dad, for some reason, he thought I had something special going on. And since that, he started emphasizing on me following up with baseball because he said, that when I was like nine, 10 years old, the kids that were already 14 and 15 used to pick me on their team to play with them. They used to fight to have me playing in their team because he said that my hands and nice coordination at the age of nine, 10, it was very special. So my dad, he just, he just fallen in love with it. He, he pushed me, pushed me. I was, I was the type of guy that, at some point, I truly fell in love with basketball. 
just watching Michael Jordan and all those guys doing out there, and the NBA was pretty big back in the Dominican Republic. I used to love being the basketball court, playing basketball, you know. I used to go to the baseball field, and then if I see a basketball court, I used to stop at the basketball court, start playing basketball, and forget about baseball. That's how crazy I was about baseball, about about basketball at the time. But my dad keep on pushing me, keep on pushing me. He used to go sometimes to the baseball court and be like, hey, no, 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 that's not what you're going to be. You're going to be a baseball player. Here, let's go to the baseball field. And he had got to the point where one day, out of nowhere, I remember I was on my way to play basketball, and then they had a baseball game going on, and they were missing a couple of guys. So they know that I used to practice baseball, and I was into it. And uh, the guy put me into the game, and then I hit two homers. <laughs> when that happened, I was like, wow, I think I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. So I started like playing more baseball. I started following in love more with the game. Baseball was my thing. We were in Chicago and I was in a bar. We uh Ellis Burke after the game and MJ was there. So MJ uh having security coming to get uh, uh Ellis Burke and myself to come and join him. And uh that was the time when I was permitting, and I told him straight up, hey, look, you know what? Because of you, I almost not get to be playing baseball right now. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> and then I started doing the breakdown for him, and we were laughing, and, and it was fun. And But like I say, you know, uh, um, I was lucky enough to have parents uh, that focus on education, and sport at the same time without ruining their attention for any one of, 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 of the two things, education and sport. They want to make sure that I educate myself and at the same time play a sport. And thanks to your parents, then we all owe them a lot because your dad kept you in baseball and you broke the curse of the Bambino in 2004. <laughs> That's exactly how it went down. I'm sorry, New Yorkers. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, you know, this is very interesting to me because I've spent a lot of time in the Dominican Republic over the last 20 years. And um, one of my closest friends and college classmates still lives there. We do a lot of work together. And and we've talked a lot about how how rich the baseball heritage is there. Uh, even the great Satchel Paige played in the Dominican Republic back in the yes, sir. 1960s and 50s. He'd go down there. So... There is a long history there, and there's a. Most Americans don't know it, but there's a kind of a Latin American World Series every year with Mexico, the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Cuba, and uh, it was several years ago. It was in Jalisco, and I was invited to go down and be there when we threw out the first pitch with the great uh, boxer Canelo and. Thank goodness he threw the ball, and I didn't have to. So <laughs> his arm was slightly better than mine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Did you think a lot when you played that you were basically walking in the steps of Juan Marshall, Sammy Sosa, the great Dominican players before? Did Were you aware that you were carrying this heritage forward? 
reality is, Mr. President, that uh, I uh, I was a kid that all I have in mind when I first jumped into the pro was finding the way to help my family. We were a poor family coming from the Dominican. My mom and dad used to work extremely hard to pay for the school, to pay for food. We didn't have any extra things because we can't afford it. And uh, my childhood was really good because it was full of love and respect, but nothing else. We don't have any financial statement. It was the type of living that it was in a day by day type of thing. And it was basically, you know, a surviving type of thing. And but my, my mom and dad, they hold on tight. They protect uh, their kids. They always try their best to take care of us the way they can at the time. When I was like 16, 17, with all the pressure that I was living into it, I know exactly what I need to be and what I want to be. I just don't know what it was going to take me to get there. But I know... My mind has very clear the things that I need to do to put my family in a situation because I was their only way out. I was their only way out. It was no other way out but me. So I know that I had that responsibility. And I start, you know, working on trying to learn what it takes to be one of those guys that you just mentioned. Well... I'm very moved by what you said about your mother, and I know uh, you lost her about 20 years ago, I think, this year in a yes. car accident. Yes. And you were paying tribute to her after every home run you hit. Yes. I remember when I lost my mom, I was playing for the Twins, and it was after New Year's Day, my mom used to go to visit her family, you know, New Year, you know, and that one time it was like basically saying goodbye because on the way back home, the, the accident happened. And I was very close to my mom. I was, I was, you know, my mom was, I, I always give some hard time to my sister saying that I was my mom's favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> she spoiled me enough, you know what I'm saying? My mom used to love cooking and just sit down and watch me eat. She used to call me her big boy, you know, and we had that type of connection. And once that happened, that, that hit home hard. You know, because my career, uh, uh, it was just uh, beginning. And it was something that uh, no one is prepared for that. You know, and, and I remember I went to spring training in March. I remember I used to celebrate my mother's birthday because her birthday was March 4th. We were in the middle of spring training. And that day that it was her birthday, uh, I remember getting to the field. I got to the parking lot and I was just bawling, crying. And I just sitting down by myself in the parking lot. And uh, the whole team came out. And picked me up, and I remember my boy, uh, Buddy Horner, 
he was he was my teammate at the time. He was the first one who came and, and grabbed me, and you know everybody was super cool. And I was in the lineup that day, and I remember I hit two homers on that game. And the first thing that came to my mind after I hit the first homer was doing that that celebration when I got to the plate. And since that day, it was like the best feeling I ever had after I hit a home run. I bet you still miss your mother. Oh, yeah. Every day. Yep. My mother died 29 years ago last January the 6th. And uh, I still think about her, you know, all the time. That's a different love, Mr. President. That's a different love, you know. Yeah. You got your wife, you got your kid, you got your family member, you got everybody, you got friends. But the love coming from mom is, is different. That's why I always tell my kids, your love for your mom is the love for your mom. You know, it's, it's, it's something that is extremely different. That connection is different. I'm a guy that I'm surrounded by so many uh, uh, lovely people, so many people. Like, my family is based on that, spraying love everywhere. But that one type of love is, is different. Yep. So you became famous in Boston for many things. But no one will ever forget the speech you gave in Fenway Park after the Boston Marathon bombing. And uh, you captured the feelings of everybody in Boston, but also won the hearts of everybody in America from that. How did that happen? How did you come to be speaking and saying that? Do you, did, you, did you know what you were going to say when you started talking? No idea, no idea. But the one thing that I always tell everyone is that, uh, first of all, this country, it means everything to me. You know, um, this country gave me the opportunity to me and my family, to have a future. And I I always keep on telling people, you know, like, this country to me is just like the Dominican Republic. Uh, it's a country that means everything to me. The thing was traveling. I was at Boston rehab. And when I saw all that things happening, I thought I was watching a movie because I couldn't believe, like, the marathon, like who is not related to the marathon? Like the marathon is where we raise money to fight disease. You know, it's where we, where everybody get together for the cause that means a lot to everyone. And when I saw that going down, I, I, I was, I was, I got stuck. I, I don't, I don't even know what to think. And I start getting frustrated because I'm always. The, the, the Red Sox do a great job with, with all of us as a player making sure that we are involved in the community service. You know what I'm saying? We go to hospital, we go to school, we go to job. We, 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 like the Red Sox, I'm very proud about what I learned playing for the Red Sox when they come down to community service because they made sure that we get involved with the community. So when that was going on, I remember seeing a black hawk fl flying by my house. And you know that you don't see a black hawk every day. Yep. You, you know that when you see a black hawk, there's something going down. 
and it was when all the chasing was going off. Uh, three days later, the team come back in town, but those three days, you know, just seeing all the people that lost family members, that lost uh, body parts, all these beautiful people that was trying to help, that was trying to do things. It was very devastating. I mean, I, 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 I was, I was very, very upset. And the one thing that he home for me, especially, it was this one kid that got killed. You know, that was something that it was very devastating to me. So when the team came back in town, we had a game, and that was going to be my first game of the season. And we had the ceremony going over, going on my family. I had no clue that they were going to pick me to go out there and say something to the fans. I had no idea. That happened, like, once the ceremony started going, five minutes before they were like, hey, we want you to go out there. And, and I was in a dugout. We want you to go out there and say something to the fans. And all I say out there was me being a citizen. I never thought about me being David Ortiz, me being the face of the franchise, me being who I was. All I thought about was all the stuff that we went through through all those days as an American citizen. And and that was what I left over on the mount when I took over the microphone. And all I want to make sure when I say what I say is that I want people to know that even going through all that, this is the greatest country to live because I know where I come from and I know the lack of opportunity that you can have in the third world country, which is something that here in this country, if you come in and work hard, they give you the opportunity to have that American dream that we all talk about. And that was it. That was me. Well, you did a great thing for America that day. More after this. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. When was your first season in the major leagues, and how old were you? It was uh, 1997. I got called up. My first game, very first game, was a Wrigley Field. Something that I, I think was the best experience of all time because you're talking about one of the uh, legendary fields. Growing up as a kid, my favorite player was Kirby Pocket. And Kirby Pocket at the time was working in the front office uh, for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. But when I got called up, he was there. Uh, he was in the clubhouse. And I think it was the greatest thing. And the reason why he became to be my favorite player it was because when I was a kid, I had no patience to sit down to watch a baseball game. And my dad, in the playoffs between the Braves and the Minnesota Twins, he basically forced me to sit down to watch the game. And I sit down, and that was when Kirby made that, that incredible catch in center field that we all remember. And he went out there to hit, and then he hit a bomb. So as a kid, that stayed with me forever. So when I got traded from Seattle to Minnesota, the one guy that I want to meet, I mean, badly was Kirby. And Kirby was so good to me. He was like a father to me. Like he was the most fun guy to be around, you know, and, and Kirby take care of all of us, all of us, you know, and, he was working in the front office in the spring training. He used to come down and make sure that, you know, our mindset, our preparation, and everything was good to go. But at the same time, he was a clown, <laughs> which I think made baseball, you know, even more fun. When you have a guy like him, you know, being him, it was something that, that really, really helped us out. And unfortunately, we ended up losing Kirby down the road. And when I got to Boston, the, the number that I used to wear in Minnesota, he was already one of those numbers that he was hanging up there. Uh, they asked me what number I want to wear, and then I went for Kirby. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how it went down. But, uh, yeah, my, my first game was at Wrigley Field. Uh, I remember Sammy Sosa playing right field. Mark Grace played yeah. first. Mark Grace was on... I used to be a first baseman at the time, so Mark Grace was one of my favorite players to watch. So Sammy told Mark Grace about it, 
And I remember Mark Gray sending me one of his glove autograph. To me, that was everything. <laughs> I lost it when I received that glove. It was, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And that was what I got my first hit. My first hit in the big league was a double. That's, that's great. I, I remember in 1999, uh, when I was still president, I went to Atlanta to celebrate the 25th anniversary of <clears throat> Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. And a lot of the great all-stars were there. But the only player that was playing still and doing well who came with Sammy Sosa. Yep. And I said, I can't believe you're here. I really appreciate you making the effort to come. And he said, uh, no, no, no. I had to be here. What you should want to know is where the others are. Did they think we'd be making all this big money if it hadn't been for Hank Aaron getting into baseball and (laughs) doing what he did, you know? And I love the way baseball builds on each other, Uh, you know, Bill. Uh, t- tradition sometimes now 100 years old it's it's beautiful and Hank Aaron and I became very close friends he said something that night that I'll never forget just because it's what I see often in the greatest athletes a certain humility you know and I said I said Hank who's the best player you ever played with or against and he said oh that's not close he said Willie Mazes he said he uh he had the best arm from outfield since Roberto Clemente. Mm. He could run like a deer, and he could hit like a demon. And he would have broken Babe Ruth's record, too, if the Giants hadn't moved to Candlestick Park, where the wind blew Oh yeah, <laughs> from backfield right into home plate. He said there were nights even God couldn't hit a home run in Candlestick Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, you know, here's this guy celebrating – this epic record talking about other people. And I see that all the time in baseball, a sense of the history of it, a sense of the appreciation for other people. And I've always respected that about you, the way you treat the game with respect and treat the players with respect. I, You know you know what? Now that you say that, a few things. Before I forgot, when you were talking about Mr. Hangers, I have a wonderful experience with him before – I got to hang out even more with him. I remember we won the 2004 World Series, and I went with the family to the Bahamas. And I'm sitting down having dinner with my family at a table, and this gentleman stand up right next to me and told me, I'm not looking at him. I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening to what he's saying. And he say, hey, I'm with my grandson. Can you sign this baseball for me? And I was like, of course. And then I grabbed the baseball, and when I was about to sign it, I look up, and when I saw him, I was like, wait a minute, why don't you sign one for me? <laughs> oh. It was the coolest thing that ever happened to me when I saw Mr. Hanger asking me for an autograph. I was like, no, 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 you sign one for me. How about that? And uh, we always used to make fun at it, uh, about it after that. And um, when it comes down to respect the game. The one thing that I always, Mr. President, thought about while I play, it was that this game is like when you are in the Olympics running, that you have to pass the torch to someone else. Uh, the game, I would say, unfortunately, 
it's like that. Why I say unfortunately? Because when you fall in love with this game, you never want to be out of it. And at some point, you have to because you don't get any younger. You know what I'm saying? But the one thing that I always enjoyed was being able to pass the torch, doing it on the proud way because I have so many young, talented players now that I don't play coming to me and be like, hey, man, you know, really appreciate the way you did things and the way you handle the business. We, we all of us, you know, coming up, uh, uh, guys that played with me, guys that even were part of the opposition that I had to sit down and give them advice because I believe in the talent. I love to see the guys that had that great talent and being able to give them advice, let them know how things go. Because all I want, all I worry about what I play, and even now that I don't play, is make sure that the game get better and better and better. And the only way that happens is with dedication and respect. It stay there forever. We'll be right back. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. You announced your retirement in 2016, before the season, and then you went out and hit the most home runs by a player in his final year ever. How did you know it was time to hang it up? 
And did you ever have any second thoughts? Um, reality is that the season before that one, you know, my last four year playing, my last four years, I was going through a lot of pain and my Achilles. I first injured my right one, and then all of a sudden my my left one start, you know, start hurting. And the Red Sox did, did a great job. They had a whole team working on me. I remember uh, uh, for the 7 p.m. game, I used to come around 2, 2.30, but once this, all the treatment started taking places, I had to come to the field by noon. So I would leave, leave you know, the family earlier than usual to make sure I get ready and prepared to play the game. So to me, I always wore the uniform with a lot of pride. And, and I know that the fans always expect me to, to come through uh, um, while I wore the uniform. Like I, that, that was the responsibility that I kind of built up through the time. And, 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 and I had that connection with the fans. And, and I want to make sure I don't miss a beat while I play. So in 2015, going through all that, 2015, I I remember, <laughs> and that was when I find out that I got to go. <laughs> True story right here. I remember we were playing, I think it was a Seattle, and then we went to Houston, something like that. I can't really remember. But I remember I hit a double, and when I was at second base, they have a new pitcher coming in. And while I was sitting there, you know how the players come around you to talk to you, you know, interact with you uh, while the pitcher is getting ready. The infielder came around and everybody was like 20 years old. And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) All this guy can be my kid. (laughs) This is not fun. Uh, And then I'm hurting. I mean, what's going on here? Hmm. I went home that night and I was thinking about it big time. And plus, I had a hustle to get that double. And when I stop at second base, I want to make sure that the next guy hitting, he makes you hit another double or hit a home run. Because I don't think I was feeling like scoring with a base hit. That's how much I was hurting. So all this stuff started stacking up. And then I went to play to Houston. And exactly the same thing happened. I hit a double. They got a new pitcher coming in. And then I remember Artubes, who is short, but he was like 19 at the time, something like yeah. that, came to me and he was looking up to me. and was like, hi, papi. <laughs> that was when I say, okay, this is really happening. <laughs> this is the message right here. <laughs> you know, he's a great player. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I went home. We got back from the road trip, and I went home and started talking to the family. I told my agent Fernando, and I, uh, I'm gonna hang it out after next year. And then I remember Fernando asking me, "Hey, uh, what happened if your other?" Uh, player option kicks in. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to get prepared for next year and I'm going to try my best. I'm going to give people everything I got. 
you know, and and that was an, an amazing season, amazing season. I, I put some incredible numbers. Uh, I don't even know how I did it because hey, being my last year, everywhere I go, people always have something going on for me, every, every stadium, uh, which is something that I really appreciate. When I went to New York, my boy Mariano and the whole Yankee, they did an amazing ceremony for me, something that I was kind of nervous about before he happened because I don't know what it was going to turn out to be, you know, because I remember we did Jira uh, a couple of years before that. So it, it, the Jira ceremony at Fenway Park was really good. If you're really gay, uh, everything was very respectful. I mean, the organization did an amazing job. But you know, sometimes the fans get out of control. You never, you can control that. So when I went to New York for my ceremony, I was a little nervous. But the Yankees were uh, uh, very committed to uh, the ceremony. Everything went perfect. Went with my family. I mean, it was beautiful. Were you tickled when, the, the, as I read the collective bargaining agreement, now in the playoffs, every team gets a designated hitter. Is that right? I heard. I heard. Yeah. They're working on that, yeah. Yeah, so you must like that. Oh, man. I wish I can be playing again. <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me ask you one thing before I let you go. Tell us how you started and why you started the David Ortiz Children's Fund, and what does it do? in New England. I think the people would like to know that because I really believe that every citizen who can afford to in terms of time and depending on how young their kids are ought to have something to do besides their day job. And I think you made a heck of a decision here. So tell us how you started it and why and what it does. I think everything began knowing where I come from. Look, if you had never been poor, sometimes you never get to know the really important things in life. You know, I, I, I can call myself lucky that I, as a child, I never had to face any critical situation. Thanks God and thanks my parents for it. But I saw a lot of parents, family struggle with, with a sick child. Let me tell you, I'm crazy about kids. Kids to me are everything. You know, I, I, I got my own kids. And whenever I see children, I think they deserve the best, you know. And that's how my foundation began. Just thinking about all the parents that can't afford pay for surgery, uh, especially heart surgery. I mean, there's so many diseases out there, cancer, diabetes, I mean, you name it. And I had to shoot for one of all of them. And the reason why I went for heart surgery it was because I remember a friend of mine, I was in the Dominican, and a friend of mine, I wasn't, it was a Sunday, never forget about that. I was getting ready to go to the beach with my family, and he told me, hey, can you give me five minutes? I want to take you to a place for you to uh, check up on what, what is going on there. And I was like, all right, let's do it. The place was five minutes away from my house. And, and that place is where I have my foundation running. Right now, it's a hospital named uh, Map. I went there, and it was a heartbroken when I when I went there because it was this one kid who, at the time, was my older son' age. He was four at the time, 
And it was this little girl who also was there. The two of them just got uh, a surgery done, but it, it was basically like it wasn't complete because they were needing medicine. The hospital, you had only two beds. It wasn't much going on in there. And when I saw that, I, I came out of that room crying because first thing I thought about, I put myself in that situation, those parents, those key parents situation, having my kids, thank God they were healthy, but, but I just wore their shoes for two minutes and and, and, and it felt horrible. So I remember walking out of that room, I promised them that I was gonna be back. And I came into the country during the season and I did so many different things, activities and stuff like that. And I remember I raised like 200 grand. So I went back to the hospital and donated that money. But my team and my advisor, they told me the best way to do it is building up a foundation. And that's exactly what we did. We built a foundation, we started doing events, we started doing things slowly. And now we can say that more than 10,000 kids have benefited themselves from that foundation. And over, I would say, 1,200 kids have got get their surgery done. And it's a, it's a game changer for the family because I see when most of the kids that come into the foundation, they come from single mom. And this heart problem, they can be independent. Their mom have to be on top of them all the time because, you know, it's very critical. They, they, a lot of them die from the heart problem. And uh, once we get their surgery done, a couple of months later, you can see mom coming in, more taking care of herself with a new job because the kids start being independent. You know, they start doing their own activity as a kid, more happiness. It's, it's, I'm very proud. I think I'm more proud of doing that than, 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 than all the home runs that I hit. I think these are my really home runs, Mr. Preston, because well, that's what life is all about. You're going to hit a lot more with that. I was thrilled when I saw what you did. I can't thank you enough. Well, I could keep you here till tomorrow morning. I've had a wonderful time. <laughs> I think that, you know, when it's all said and done, if you've been lucky, and you've been lucky, and I've been lucky. We have. What you really want is for every kid to have a chance to live whatever the best life that he or she can live is. Yes, it is. It is. I'm blessed enough to have a good kid. My kids, they are just like me, happy people, very humble. They don't act like they have anything. But I guess is because of the way you raise them. That is very important. I always emphasize on that, especially when you when I'm talking to the youth. You know, you gotta know that your mom and dad, they are your best friends. And they always gonna be there for you in the ups and downs. And you need to pay attention to what they have to say. The longest you pay attention to what they have to say, your future gonna be bright. Because they always gonna want the best for you. David Ortiz, the whole world admires you. And everybody that ever thrilled at a baseball game wishes every baseball player loved the game and treated it with the great care you have. We thank you for this time, and 
I hope it leads to some more good things, and I hope some more people will send some money to your foundation so you can help more kids. Thank you very much, Mr. President. It was an honor uh, being in this podcast. I haven't seen you in a minute, and uh, I'm so glad that I, everything went good with you during this uh, uh, COVID time because, you know, that was uh, that was something that scared all of us. Things have got better. Thanks God we have been through it. We got to continue paying attention to it. But I'm so glad to see you doing well, you and your family. And uh, I can't wait to see you soon. Thank you. I can't <laughs> wait either. Why Am I Telling You This is a production of iHeartRadio, the Clinton Foundation, and At Will Media. Our executive producers are Craig Manassian and Will Malnati. Our production team includes Jameson Katsufas, Tom Galton, Sarah Horowitz, and Jake Young with production support from Liz Raftery and Josh Farnham. Original music by Watt White. Special thanks to John Sykes, John Davidson, Angel Urena, Corey Gansley, Kevin Thurm, Oscar Flores, and all our dedicated staff and partners at the Clinton Foundation. Hi, I'm Becca Curtis-Heald, and I'm a deputy director at the Clinton Global Initiative. President Clinton established the Clinton Global Initiative to create a new kind of philanthropic community to address the complex realities of our modern world, where problem solving required the active partnership of government, business, and civil society. Over the years, our proven model has grown to include action networks that can quickly mobilize in the face of emergencies, whether that's helping Puerto Rico and the Caribbean recover in the wake of hurricanes Irma and Maria, or advancing an inclusive U.S. economic recovery amid COVID-19. To learn more about this work and see how you can get involved, visit clintonfoundation.org slash podcast. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.